Good Monday, everyone. Thank you for joining me. My name is Manny Rodriguez. I'm your host with Mondays with Manny. Uh, special thanks to Business Science Magazine, our sponsor always, uh, 305 Publishing, the OBM Alliance, and of course, my colleagues at Bueno Ventures. This is a special Mondays with Manny uh, because we have for the second time a guest, uh, Dr. Christian Coach. Welcome, Christian. Thank you for joining us. Sure, Manny. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing fine, buddy. I'm doing fine. I'm super excited to have you. We are. We do have a live audience as well, so super excited to get their questions answered at the end. So we will do a Q&A for those who join us live at the end um, uh, of the recording. Uh, that The Q&A will not be recorded. That's only for our special folks that join us live. For those of us uh, joining us in the recording, thank you very much for listening in. Hope you really enjoy this. So uh, so without, without further ado, let's get into it. The topic of today is actually the dissertation project that uh, Christian just finished up at the University of South Florida MUMA, uh, MUMA College of Business, uh, getting his Doctorate of Business Administration. The title of his project, as you can see, he's going to be presenting some information that I just, I just, I think the world over needs to listen to. So hopefully uh, this gets a good audience. Uh, but the project is titled the Warren, Bu the Warren Buffett Project, a qualitative study on Warren Buffett. So without further ado, I am going to kick it off. I might throw in a couple of questions here and there, Christian, but I definitely, um, I, I, I've seen you present this before. I think it's brilliant work. And I uh, would love for you to share it with the audience here. And like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll chime in with a couple of questions here and there in the moment to make it you know, conversational, uh, but feel free to kick us off. And without further ado, Dr. Christian Coach. Okay, well, thank you, Manny. And I, I think this is a perfect forum. You know, the, the Business Science Magazine does a really good job of, you know, talking about business kind of meets science. And this is really kind of what the Warren Buffett project was. Um, you know, we had a unique opportunity to really get into the mind of Warren Buffett using uh, qualitative research. Um, most, you know, finance, academic research on finance is all quantitative driven. And it's all statistical driven. Um, and, and this project was very unique in that we were able to use a lot of uh, textual data to really understand Buffett's um, investment principles. And, and we did that because the, the research question we were trying to answer is that his principles or his investment philosophy, if you will, is really not taught in academia. Um, you know, the, the, the modern portfolio theory and, and a lot more quantitative research or quantitative methods from an investment standpoint is taught. And so we thought there was a really a big gap here um, to, to, to research. So um, let me just kind of level the playing field for everybody. And I know people know who Warren Buffett is, but, but I don't know if people know the scope of what he's done over a 50-year period. So we'll go to the next slide. Um, and this just kind of gives everybody an overview. So, you know, Buffett started Berkshire Hathaway in 1965. I mean, it was over 50 years ago. And he bought this kind of wow. schlocky little, you know, textile company. Um, and he turned it into, you know, a multi-billion dollar um, operating, you know, conglomerate in essence that has very um, familiar brand names that everybody knows. Uh, Dairy Queen, Geico, Fruit of Loom, Duracell, and many others. 
Um, so it's, it's quite amazing what he's done in that time period. But what makes Berkshire very unique is that he also operates a marketable securities portfolio where he makes um, direct equity investments. And some of their, his large holdings are Coca-Cola, American Express, Wells Fargo, and Kraft Heinz. Um, so that's what he has done. And, and you know, that, that will kind of level set um, kind of who Buffett is and, and what he's accomplished. A super impressive part. portfolio, if, if I can say that. I mean, it, who wouldn't want that kind of portfolio these days, right? Those companies are amazing. And, and Buffett's claim to fame over time is he has really moved towards how to invest in brand companies, you know, how to invest in companies that have a brand that have some durability over 10 or 20 year periods. Um, but from an engaged scholarship standpoint, and that's really you know, what Business Science Magazine is focused on, you know, we're focusing on real world problems. So what I said before is we really found that, you know, Buffett's, you know, methodology or, or investment principles are not taught at universities and colleges, um, and they're not really preparing investment professionals, um, you know, successfully. So at some level, business schools have failed in the finance area. And so we want to kind of develop that or research that further. Um, so we, we saw that there was an interesting gap. So the next slide. Um, so what we did here is we had a, I started in the uh, DBA program in 2018 with you, Manny, and um, we found a very unique data source called the Warren Buffett Archive. And so the research question was, you know, what major themes could we extract or understand from this large archive, which has about 25 years of uh, data from Berkshire Hathaway? And we'll, it, next it, slide. If memory serves, it was quite the archive. Like, it was like, like the Indiana Jones find in the <laughs> finance world, right? <laughs> I like that. That's actually very true. I felt like I was a uh, Indiana Jones sometimes, you know, discovering new things. But um, this is from it's it's a public website. It just came about in uh, May of 2018, so only two years ago. And you know, that's really the power and the uniqueness of our research is that you know we're we're using these uh, videos and these audio transcripts of what Buffett has said over a 25 year period um, to really get into his head. So the next slide. So this gives you just a little bit more meat on the bones. Um, here, you know, it, it's uh, data that was pulled from all public information. The website is uh, public at buffett.cnbc.com. And the site contains 26 full Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting videos um, full transcripts dating back to 1994, 130 hours of searchable video, and about 2,800 pages of transcripts. And I, as I said, it was started in May 2018. We only looked at 11 years, so we have a whole other kind of data set that we could uh, dive into at some point in time. But so, so that's part two, part two of the research. <laughs> Part two, the research is yeah, doing the you know the other side of what we what we didn't do. 
but there was this so much data that we had to kind of limit the scope. Um, so we, so if you go to the next slide, we, we actually did 11 years. Um, this is kind of the qualitative research design approach that we used. Um, you can see it's, it's fairly scientific. Um, we used a qualitative research method. Uh, we used a lot of data collection techniques using a software pro program called NVivo. I'm sure you're fami familiar with that. And then we coded, um, you know, kind of line by line or, or um, you know, different topics or different themes. And, and then we put together, you know, a, a, a 120 page dissertation. Um, so it was ver both very rigorous and relevant. And you can go to the next slide. Um, but it really tilts, you know, you kind of balance uh, rigor and relevancy, but our research really tilts towards kind of the relevant angle, meaning, you know, what's the practical contribution that Buffett has made to the investment management industry? You know, what, what it, how is it relevant to business practitioners, you know, like myself? How can we use his principles in our practice with clients every day? Um, uh, so the next slide, if you can look at that. Um, this kind of gives you an overlay of exactly what we did. So we looked at, um, on the left there, that, look, that shows you all 11 transcripts in the years. So each year consists of six hours of Buffett talking, having a Q&A session. So again, you can see the, the breadth and, and the depth of kind of each transcript. Um, we went through each of those. We looked at both the video and the transcription data, and we came up with, with seven themes. Those are at the bottom right there, but we really wrote about and explored from an academic standpoint, two themes, um, the academic community and his investment process. Um, and it was just, you know, it was, it was pretty uh, exciting in terms of what the takeaways were. So Christian, Christian, this actually triggers a question, uh, just a curiosity. As you were going through these transcripts, which was probably just an amazing amount of detail, you know, and verbatims, you know, quote, you know, just one, one paragraph after another of, of the discussions that were happening. Looking at some of the years of the transcripts, I'm just curious if at any time did, um, did like natural disasters or economic disasters or world disasters like come into the discussion as it relates to thinking about investments and thinking about the economy in these transcripts? Did that ever come up? It did. And so what I, my recollection is Buffett talked a lot about the 1972-74 period as being one of the best periods to invest, meaning, you know, the market was down and it was like, you know, shooting fish in a barrel. And then, then he also talked about the 2008, nine, you know, financial crisis period. But he said in that context, it wasn't as good as, you know, the 72, 74 period. Gotcha. Um, so yes, I mean, one of the key takeaways of um, our research was Buffett says, you know, hold cash because strange things happen in the market. So I, I think, you know, most investment managers or most, you know, 401k managers are always fully invested 100%, whether it's stocks, bonds, whatever. But what Buffett has done is he has held cash 
to take advantage of these situations that you just asked me about. And <clears throat> he got a lot of pushback the last few years. I think Berkshire Hathaway has about $125 billion, with a B, of cash that he hasn't deployed. And I think it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of kind of, you know, personal um, discipline not to invest that cash and to wait for markets like 72, 74, 2008, 2009, and markets like March of 2020. The last time I was on your show, it was in March. <laughs> you know, the price yeah. of oil was going to zero. The market was going to zero. And now, you know, it's three months later and the market's recovered. We, you know, we still have COVID and, and, and going through some of those issues, but clearly the market is recovered and people's fears about COVID and the financial crisis were, were maybe a little bit overblown. Yeah, it's amazing what just a handful of months does, right? Not even a handful of months, like three months, the world changes and then kind of comes back. It's amazing. So what Buffett has done over time is he's arbitraged time, meaning most investment managers have a very narrow you know, um, time horizon, maybe less than two or three years. And so they're very focused on short-term results and companies that will deliver those results in less than three years. What Buffett has done with his investments with um, Amex and Coca-Cola and Gillette is he's arbitraged that over a 15, 20 year period, meaning he, he's looking at the business um, over you know, a much longer period and doesn't care about those results in the short term. So I think in March when he had, or in April when, or in May when he had his uh, annual Berkshire meeting, um, he made a comment like, you know, I don't care about, you know, he was looking at McDonald's and he said, I don't care about, you know, the number of hamburgers that people are eating today. It's how many hamburgers am I going to eat over my lifetime? So again, it's that time arbitrage and where he's been so successful. Very so interesting. The next slide. Um, these are really my kind of six critical findings um, of all of, you know, all the 11 years uh, of, of my research. And I'll start with the top and then go to the right. And I have a couple quotes I'll read to you from Buffett. So hopefully your audience will enjoy those. But the first and the critical one is this, is pure rejection of this thing called efficient market theory. And efficient market theory was started by a couple folks at the University of Chicago. And it really says that the stock market is, you know, fully priced all the time and it's, it's, it's never, you know, underpriced or overpriced. It's, it's always efficient is my point. And, and I think, you know, we've highlighted 72, 74, you know, 20, 2008, 2009 and, and, and March of this year where clearly there's been mispricings and people's fears have driven things down. And, you know, the tech bubble could, could say the same thing on the upside. So Buffett really fully rejects this whole efficient market theory, which most, pe which most students in business schools are taught. That's kind of investments 101. And so Buffett says, and I'll quote here, he says, it would have been like learning that the earth was flat. You would have had the wrong start in life. <laughs> unquote. And, and that really rings true. I mean, think yeah. about it. all these students that are going through finance class and graduating with finance degrees really think the earth is flat. They really think markets are efficient. And I think they're mostly efficient, but then there's times when there's huge inefficiencies. 
Um, so, you know, that's the foundational or the core belief. It's kind of like the first commandment that Buffett rejects that most practitioners don't. And that's a philosophical difference. So then the, the second critical finding is on risk and how that does not equal volatility. And, um, you know, Buffett urges us really to kind of rethink how risk is defined for an investment. Um, and, you know, he states that risk is the permanent loss of capital and is not defined by volatility. Um, and then he's got this great quote I'll, I'll, I'll share with you. He states, quote, if somebody starts talking to you about beta, which is a measure, measure of risk, zip up your pocketbook, unquote. And so, you know, imagine if you're sitting in front of a client and you're, you know, you start talking about risk and then you're, you, you, talk, you talk about beta, you kind of know that you're probably over your skis um, or the client is not understanding what you're saying. That's good. Uh, I like that. So uh, the, the third critical finding is, is uh, growth is part of the value equation. Um, you know, Buffett believes that growth and value are, are indistinguishable and, and they're really part of the same equation. Um, Buffett's, Buffett's position is that there is really no such thing as a growth stock or a value stock, which I thought was interesting because a lot of market participants kind of segment it that way. Um, the next critical finding, and, and this is really his special sauce or his, his, his recipe is he really boils down in investing into kind of what is a business worth? So Buffett states here, quote, we buy businesses. We don't predict stock moves. Um, he says, quote, we look at individual businesses. We don't think of stocks as little items that wiggle around on paper and have charts attached to them. So what he's done is, you know, most market participants are buying, you know, an index, they're buying an ETF, they're buying, you know, they're buying a position. But what Buffett's done is, you know, how do you value this business? Is it attractive? And then I'm gonna hold it over the longer term. Um, and then- uh, Hey Christian, a, a, a question on that one, you know, in terms yeah. of like, a business is, you know, what a business is worth, you know, how much, uh, or maybe just give us a little insight on like, does he have like a process that he goes through for evaluating what a business is worth? Cause it sounds like it's almost like he, he mixes both science and almost the human element of it. Like the studying the people of the company. Is that true or am I off? You know, he actually really doesn't Manny. And that's, that's the simplicity of his, of his process and that's what academics don't like. Academics like really rigorous statistical stuff or you know they like to find things right at the decimal point and Buffett keeps things fairly simple. So if I could sum up his process, I think his process is he's looking for a business that he can understand either the unit economics or the sustainable competitive advantage of the product and then from there, he's looking to buy it at an attractive price. Okay, all right. And I guess the last component would be, you know, does it have a brand name? You know, is it is it known like C's Candy or like, you know, like American Express, et cetera. So he puts right. those kind of three elements together. Um, and, you know, if you're a finance teacher, it's hard to teach that, but it's really easy to teach beta. It's really right. easy to teach regression because it's all a formula-based model. And so 
I think he kind of rejects the formula-based model. So it's a very good question, but I like the beauty and the simplicity of it. Um, so I, I have just two more critical findings. Um, the, the, the one is the kind of the absence of diversification and, and asset allocation. You know, traditional investment managers will do a 60-40 stock bond or, you know, international versus domestic versus bond, you know, what have you. And uh, Buffett believes really in either being 100% in stocks or 100% in bonds. He doesn't really believe in this layering things of 60, 40, 40, you know, 30, whatever. And so portfolio construction should be really driven by extreme opportunities or circumstances in the market, like March of 2020. Right. <laughs> that really makes sense to me, but 95% of money, institutional money is not managed that way at all. Right. Uh, which is very interesting. And so then kind of finally, um, you know, he talks a lot about different finance terms and, and different, you know, elements. Um, and uh, there's a, a finance term called EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And Buffett says, quote, certain people have uh, built fortunes on misleading investors by convincing that, them that EBITDA was a big deal, unquote. So there's a lot of finance terms that really don't make a lot of sense for the investing public to use. And, and, I, and that was just one example of kind of how EBITDA has, has you know, been a, been a term that's learned yep. in academic theory, but may not be useful in practice. Well, not just academic theory, too. I think EBITDA uh, kind of changed the course a few years ago with investments and like uh, uh, the stock portfolios of companies, even private companies. I had a, I was working for a private company and I was, I was a shareholder of the company and it was a, it was both money that I invested in then also as an employee, it was an employee stock ownership program as well. So I got double, double in. And uh, then EBITDA came up and all the financial advisors started saying, oh, the EBITDA is not great. The, and it was affecting our stock price. And it was all ludicrous. It was all make-believe mumbo jumbo. And it was, the company was doing great, healthy revenue, profit, the whole thing. Oh, but EBITDA was not great. So it was really, really strange. And uh, it, it made most of us take our money back out of the stock. It was really weird. Well, that, that's a good real world example where, you know, you can see the flaws of, of what people have been exposed to. So that's, that's really the, the wrap up of the, the six critical findings that I, that I found, Manny. It was a, it was a really fun process. Um, it took me about, you know, six months to, to complete everything. Um, I have eight additional critical findings, but I, I thought I'd um, save those for, for later because that's a whole different academic article that I wrote. Um, but if you, go to that's last, great. <laughs> if you go to the last slide, this kind of summarizes, you know, uh, what, what we've done and, and, and um, how it looks. But, um, you know, Lowenstein, which is an, an author who wrote a whole entire book on uh, Warren Buffett called Warren Buffett, the Capitalist, I believe. Um, it's the, here's a quote from him, and he says, in the knolls of investment, Warren Buffett stands alone. Um, simply by picking stocks and companies for invest, investment, Buffett has amassed one of the epical, epic uh, fortunes of the 21st century. 
Um, so, so Lowenstein really clearly identifies that Buffett is a person worthy of study. We f felt the same way. We really took advantage of that unique Warren Buffett archive that, that, that really opened up right in the first year of, of our DBA. It's a very unique data set. And then we looked at 11 years of transcripts and we, we found six critical findings focused on Buffett challenging conventional wisdom and academic finance, which I talked about today. And then we also found eight critical findings focused on the concept of financial literacy, where I put Buffett in the financial literacy discussion, discussion using some of his terms, which was really fascinating. I've submitted that article to a, a top journal and I'm kind of waiting to see if it gets gets in. Um, so our, our main you know contribution with our dissertation research is inserting Buffett into the conversation. Um, he provides a very unique understanding of investments and financial concepts that can improve both academic finance and financial literacy. And it really directly contradicts what is being taught in, in business school and what I learned in business school. So I had uh, tons of fun doing it and and I hope your uh, listeners have enjoyed kind of the conversation. Yeah, well, I, I have to say, at least from my standpoint, I think it's fascinating. And uh, for those listening and those on the live chat, I mean, for me, I, I've, I've heard Christian talk about his research now for a couple of years and it never gets old. Is something, there's a new nugget every single time. This is kind of the compilation of the whole thing. And I can't, I hope you do get that published, those, those other eight, uh, those other eight findings, I think that would be superb. Um, it is super interesting that after all these years, we're still uncovering some of those gold nuggets from Mr. Buffett, right? It's just, it's just interesting. And that gap that you found between the academic world and the practitioner world, you know, it's just mind-numbing to think about that gap, especially on the financial side of the world. Um, you would think that we wouldn't want such a big gap, you know, that, that we'd want that gap closed. Um, it's interesting because uh, before my current research study on ethics, I was looking at the practitioner academic gap in the world. Oh, of really? Yeah, in the world of psychology, because in the world of psychology, that, that gap also exists between what's taught in academic studies uh, for being a practitioner in the world of psychology and what the actual psychologists and therapists actually do in practice. And the gap is quite large in some cases. So, uh, but I decided not to pursue that because that would be mind numbing as well. <laughs> <laughs> now I do have a question because what you're trying, you know, in essence what you're doing is you're, you're trying to close that gap between the practice of financial investments in, in respect to uh, Mr. Buffett's uh, methods and then what the academic community is teaching. So. As a practitioner, uh, I'm curious, like, like you now have like two hats, right? You have the practitioner hat on always with your clients, working with your clients. And then you have now as Dr. Coach, you're now kind of um, teaching the academics of the world, right? And trying to help that world out. So from your standpoint, after doing all this research, has it, in it, what way has it uh, influenced your practice? Um, that would be quite interesting to learn. And um, in terms of your pursuits going forward in the academic community, what's your interest? What's your passion there? Yeah, so I, I think we've talked about this a little bit, Manny, but, uh, you know, I look at myself as kind of a, a practitioner scholar. And so, you know, what I do in my practice, you know, I try to put what I do kind of my academic writing, I try to put you know, in the process with my clients. 
what I really would like to do going forward is, you know, teach part time these great, you know, nuggets of information in terms of, you know, creating a class on Warren Buffett and teaching that as a as an option to these young kids. I mean, we have maybe two or three generations now of um, finance majors that are all statistically driven and, and have kind of missed the, the simple process. Um, so I, I have, you know, I um, kind of married my practice with using Buffett's principles. I mean, I set up my practice as a value investor. We only invest in kind of, you know, Buffett-like securities. But I really feel that there's a gap of students who who know of Buffett but don't really understand how to invest. And I, I see that time over time. I, and then I guess my, my last point is I also think it's important as an investment advisor or a practitioner how you choose your clients. Because if your clients have a narrow, you know, less than three-year time horizon and you're, you're buying securities based on what you think the security will look like in 10 to 12 years, then you really have a mismatch. And I, I really screen my clients fairly well in terms of new, new onboarding. I may only take two or three people a year because you know I find that when these opportunities come, March of 2020, you want those clients to have the emotional stability. You want them to know that you know, we're investing in both the short term and the long term and that they have to have some durability. Because it's it's hard just doing it yourself. You have to have the emotional stability, let alone if you're being bugged by clients, you know, I'm losing or, you know, my portfolio is down. So, you know, I, I think what's needed to answer your question more specifically is to have some of this research, um, you know, uh, in journals so other academics can pick it up, start different classes on Buffett and get it more into the ethos of the finance departments and colleges and universities. Whether that'll happen or not, I'm not sure, um, but that would, that's what I would like to have, you know, my next 10 or 15 years, I'd love to start that process. Well, brilliantly stated, both as a practitioner and as an academic and scholar. Um, so uh, I will, um, I will end it with that. I think that was a nice send off. So thank you, Dr. Coach. I appreciate your time as always. And uh, for those who are watching, thank you for watching Mondays with Manny with Dr. Christian Coach. That was some excellent nuggets in there. Hopefully you got uh, some some pearls of wisdom there, folks. I'm going to end recording now and say goodbye to those that are watching the recording. Take care. All right. Thanks, Manny.